This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome to it once again. Welcome to the program for this Thursday, January the 11th. Glad to have you aboard today. And yes, we have more on the soap opera that is Cargoche to Anaheim. It's actually more of a story that he went, that he left Philadelphia than he uh, arrived in Anaheim. Because the Philadelphia side of this is uh, still no, not where, you know, nowhere close to being settled. We have some comments from Goche, uh, both with Derek Lee from the Sporting Tribune and also Alexis Downey from Light the Lamp uh, from last night. We'll get to that in a couple of moments here. Elliot Friedman's going to stop by in a couple of moments. As per usual, Eric Erlinson, uh, who covers the Tampa Bay Lightning, will stop by and talk about John Cooper and his success. Success without a Coach of the Year award. Along the way, it's one of the weirdest things that's been out there for a long time. Maybe the most successful coach of this generation has yet to win the Jack Adams. Nonetheless, uh, we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Top of hour two, Jamie Lee Rattray from PWHL Boston will stop by. Rat scores goals. That's the saying around her. And then at 135 Eastern, you will hear from Philadelphia Flyers general manager Daniel Briere. He stops by in the second hour. Uh, in the meantime, a couple of things here. Just And we'll pick this up with uh, with Elliot here in a couple of seconds. Uh, and I'll play the Alexis Downey quote for you a little bit later. Not Alexis Downey, but uh, Cutter Goche speaking with Alexis Downey. We'll play that for you a little bit later on and have the, the video attachment with it as well. Um, but the Cutter Goche saga continues and as much as Goche wants to not talk about it and leave it as a private matter, uh, there are things that are still very much coming out. Some of it, um, he said. Uh, so this is from Derek Lee's piece. Um, Derek is a writer with the Sporting Tribune. Um, in today's piece about Cutter Goche, Goche is quoted as saying this. It wasn't one specific reason why I asked for a trade. It was multiple reoccurring issues that I'd seen over the past year and a half, two years of being under the Flyers organization. It kind of hit me all at once, thinking I can't move forward with this and I really need to step up for myself and see what's best for my future. And that's what I did. Okay, so this thing is far from over. Uh, we'll continue on this one with Elliot coming up in a couple of moments. The other side of that trade, of course, is Jamie Drysdale, whom John Tortorella referred to as a rover. Uh, and as someone tweeted me yesterday, it's Jamie Roverdale. That'll be his new name with the Philadelphia Flyers. Well played. Uh, Flyers over the Montreal Canadiens by a final score of 3-2. It took a shootout. Caden Primo was excellent in this game, making 37 saves. But... All eyes were on Jamie Drysdale, and he did not disappoint. Now, to John Tortorella's point, he may have been a little bit rovery out there. Uh, if you're someone that likes your defenseman to do more traditional things and stay in their lanes and do defenseman things, if you know anything about Jamie Drysdale, I mean, you got to let that horse gallop. That guy is just a tremendous skater. You let that guy out of the barn and you let him go. Got the uh, primary assist on the Morgan Frost goal that tied things up. Uh, and every time he was on the ice, he was doing something. Flyers fans are going to really like Jamie Drysdale. And he's playing in a very, um, how shall we say, scrutinized market, I suppose. But a lot of eyeballs on the Philadelphia Flyers. And there'll be a lot of eyeballs as they continue their rebuild. 
And a lot of people will continue to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers, as they always do. So Jamie Drysdale now playing in very much a highly scrutinized and highly publicized NHL market. The Flyers win that one by a final score of 3-2 at the Wells Fargo. That was a really good game. Um, how about Montreal? Two shots, two goals, first period. Eh, you know, these things happen. Uh, you know what else happens? Kids make their debuts, and it doesn't go according to plan. Dallas 7, Minnesota 2. Jesper Wellstad with his uh, first game in the NHL, uh, considered by many before that game to be the best goaltender not in the NHL. 7-2 is the final seven different goal scorers for the Dallas Stars. They continue to cruise, and now we really start to ask a lot of questions about what is this Minnesota Wild team going to do in advance here of the trade deadline because we're going to start talking a lot more about trades and we're going to talk a lot about teams that are buyers and teams that are sellers. It's that time of year, uh, but it's not really going to heat up until after the all-star game. So there's one more tent pole to get past here. And that is all-star. Then you watch this entire hockey media industry get involved and start bantering about buyers and sellers. And at times the Minnesota wild who in their defense have been ravaged by injuries specifically, to their, uh, their top dog, Kirill Kaprizov, have really kind of fallen off the map here and really fallen on their face. And I know that there's been drama off the ice and there have been injuries on the ice and there has been uh, soap opera on the ice with Ryan Hartman uh, and Cole Perfetti. Uh, and at the end of all of it, in this results-oriented business, the Minnesota Wild are not getting results. What does that mean for Bill Guerin? Discuss amongst yourselves, but it's not heading in a a very good direction. You know, the game of the night, though, last night was the one that we thought was going to be the game of the night, and that was Vegas and Colorado. And in a lot of ways, that was a Valeri Nachushkin um, game, two goals. Uh, Logan O'Connor with the other one. Alexander Georgiev uh, with the shutout in this one. Uh, I thought Yuri Patera was really good, too, making 32 saves. But the one thing about the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, like if you've listened to this show long enough, or watched on 360, or listen to me blather on on the podcast. You know how I feel that Colorado, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that winning the Stanley Cup wasn't a great feeling for them, because obviously it was. Your name is now immortal, and it's on that cup forever. But much like, you know, winning the Stanley Cup for the Washington Capitals, they needed internally and in their own psyches to get past Pittsburgh to get there. I can't help but thinking in a lot of those players' minds, sure, the Stanley Cup is great. What an incredible achievement. Making it even sweeter would have been beating Vegas along the way. You know, the Avalanche have had a lot of rivals uh, in their uh, in their history. Um, originally, of course, when they were the Quebec Nordiques, it was all about them and the Montreal Canadiens. And then when they moved to Denver, it became all about them and the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Blood feud, uh, as they called it. But right now, uh, the Avalanches have their sights set mainly on the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. You are always going to get Colorado's best when they face off against Vegas. And uh, Aiden Hill not available for service for the ninth straight game uh, last night. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, his... Home point streak to open up the season now stands at 23 games. For a frame of reference, Gretzky holds a record with 40 uh, back in 88-89. 
Uh, it was billed going into it as this is going to be the game of the night, and that game did not disappoint. And yes, um, much you know, much like we said with the uh, the Boston Bruins and the Colorado Avalanche from a couple of nights ago. Give me seven games of that. You know, it really is a beautiful thing to watch the Colorado Avalanche when they hit their stride, and we saw that yesterday. Whether it was McKinnon, whether it was Nachushkin, uh, when this team hits their stride, it is a thing of beauty. Lots of uh, lots of stories off the ice as well, and let's get to that here now uh, as we bring in Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. Hey, bud. How you doing? Sorry I was a bit late. Uh, I'm good. Oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have scoops that you'll present either uh, here I, or on the I podcast on later today call, when we record. I, I was on a phone call, but <laughs> nothing newsworthy. Shocking. Was it with Cutter Goche? No, it was not with Cutter Goche. Was it with Kurt Overhart? Was it with uh, Keith Jones? Was it involving any of the it primaries in anybody, uh, the soap it was opera not this with week? Anybody Cutter Goche related? <laughs> no. Well, let, let me start with a Cutter Goche-related uh, topic to begin with. Uh, Derek Lee in the Sporting Tribune uh, has some quotes from Cutter Goche. I'm going to get to the Alexis Downey uh, interview a little bit later on in the program here. Uh, this is what Goche said. It wasn't one specific reason why I asked for a trade. It was multiple reoccurring issues that I'd seen over the past year and a half, two years, of being under the Flyers organization. It kind of hit me all at once thinking, quote, I can't move forward with this and, quote, I really need to step up for myself and see what's best for my future, and that's what I did. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. necessarily a comment uh, that we can have about that other than this thing is long from done. You know, this thing, uh, eventually more pieces of information um, uh, will will come forward from from that side uh, of the trade, but I mean, this has been one of the more intriguing ones that we've that we've seen in the last couple of years. And, and I'll be honest with you, Elliot. One of the things that I kind of keep coming back to on this one, you know, we mm-hmm. focus so much on players that ask for trades from teams, and we have a very all of us. We're all guilty of this. We have a very specific at times editorial opinion of that player who asks for a trade. Yet how many times, and it happened in this trade, has a player been completely surprised thinking his organization is 100% behind him only to find himself traded at a moment's notice? That's what happened to Jamie Drysdale. The team Mm -hmm. said, we don't want you anymore. And Cutter Goche said, I don't want to be here. Are they not equivalent to you? Well, you know, look, I'll say this. I I don't have a problem with Cutter, like, it's tough for me to say that everybody has to go uh, work where they're told when I have the freedom as a person to decide where I want to work. Right. Yeah. So like, you mm-hmm. know, I don't want to get into this whole big abolish the draft argument. Cause yeah, you know, I just, you know, I don't really know if that's relevant, but there are mechanisms that if you don't like where you're drafted, you can do something about it. You can ask for a trade. You can sit out. If you're, if you're drafted from where Goche was drafted from, you can you can wait four years. You know, Jimmy yep. Basie did that. Um, Blake Wheeler did that. Adam Fox did that. Um, you know, I don't I don't have a problem with that. I, I really don't. Like if Cutter Goche doesn't want to play for the Flyers, that's fine. I, the the only issue I had with this mm-hmm. was that um, the Flyers clearly don't like. You have to go back and look at the timeline. And and in that article, and I agree with you, that was a very good article by Derek, and Alexis did a really good interview with him, although she was more focused on uh, his personality 
And there were some, there were some really, I would yep. advise people to, to listen to it. I thought it was a really good interview. Um, She's very um, good. Um, but, you know, I, I think Derek said, I think there was a quote in Derek Lee's piece that said, I, I haven't seen anything to close to the reason yet. Now, he specifically denied the Kevin Hayes, which, you know, I, I believe yep. him on that one. I don't think Kevin Hayes was a factor. And, and more importantly, the Flyers don't believe Kevin Hayes was a factor. Um, I don't believe it was Tortorella. Now, I know there are people out there who don't buy that, but I do. I don't think it was Tortorella. I'm going to stick to this, Jeff. Look at the timeline last year. Um, uh, Chuck Fletcher was fired on March 10th. Cutter Goche's season ended at Boston College on March 11th. Um, there was a meeting sometime after that, um, in, the, in the next couple of days, I don't know if it was in person or via Zoom. I don't know the, the specific details. Um, mm-hmm. But that meeting went badly. Uh, it just didn't go well. And uh, I, whether, like, like, I just think that, I think that Goche expected he was beginning, beginning his NHL career uh, with the Flyers around that time. And it didn't happen. And whether it was the bonus issue or the starting the contract issue, or and I and I wrote this briefly, and I'm beginning to think it's even more of a factor. Do you remember what Philly was like at the end of last year? It was not oh, yeah. a good place to be. Yep. And I really do wonder if they just didn't, um, if they just didn't want to bring him into that. And I do think it's possible the idea of an AHL ATO was 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 broached, and that's happened before, where players start in the American League and then begin their NHL season next year. But you know, I, I like maybe that's not the exact specific reason, but I believe that that's where it started to go sideways, and it just never yeah. got better. Like, I, I, like Jeff, I've had people tell me like. Briere was confirmed as GM on May 11th, and Keith Jones was hired on May 11th. I've had people stress to me that this, whatever went wrong, was before that. And I just think it was whatever conversations they had after, after Gauthier's season ended, it went sideways at that point. Can I tell you exactly 100% what it was? No, mm-hmm. but I do believe it was that. Listen, I, I was mentioning this on yesterday's show, and I'm, I'm glad you got us there because uh, I can recall specifically talking to Brian Burke um, about the Anaheim Ducks and Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry and how he had to say to both of them, our room's a mess right now. We don't want to bring you two blue chip first round, you know, future superstars into this mix right now. I believe the analogy that Berkey used, and this is a true Berkeyism, we need to shovel out the barn until we uh, un- until we're ready to show the horses. Let us yeah. shovel first, and then we'll bring you in. So you saying that perhaps there was a, there was an aspect of like, look, right now. It's chaotic. We have a lot of balls in the air. Everyone's spinning plates. Everyone's settling into new positions. We don't know where this is going. We just had a game uh, against the New York Rangers at home, and it was flooded with Rangers fans, and we don't know what to do. Our heads are spinning. We don't want to bring you in to this right now. I I can't help but thinking that that must have been a lot of the thinking of the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, I... 
and and like I said, I, I think it's very possible. Like, like Jeff, whatever happened here, there was clearly a cool hand, Luke. What we have is a failure to communicate. <laughs> like there was, yep. there was, there was a breakdown. It was uh, like, like I, I know this. The Flyers. Look, like Keith Jones played in the NHL a long time. Daniel Breer played in the NHL a long time. Yep. Patrick Sharp and John LeClaire played in the NHL a long time. They, you know, Alan McCauley yep. works there. He played in the NHL a long time. Um, they, whatever happened, they didn't think that it was a deal breaker. Like, I, I know it also for a fact. Like, he had a really good world, world championships. He scored seven goals there. Um, yep. You know, when they had the Zoom call with them after the Worlds, they thought he was going to sign and they were floored. And so, and at that point in time, you know, Jones and, and Briere officially had been in place for three weeks. Like, I don't think it happened then. Um, maybe it did. I don't know. But uh, like, again, it, the, whatever bothered Goche, um, the, the flyers clearly did not recognize the scope of how bothered he was by it. And it was like this, the, the communication is key, Jeff, like between podcast partners, re- relationship partners, communicate with people out there. Cause this one got out of hand. Uh, Daniel Briere, by the way, joins me coming up an hour or two at one uh, thirty-five Eastern. So very much looking forward to talking to the flyers GM. One more thought on the flyers. Uh, was that last night John Tortorella embracing positionless hockey, referring to Jamie Drysdale as a rover out there, Elliot? That was a, that was first of all that was an impressive display by Jamie Drysdale in his in his first game in a Philadelphia Flyers uniform. Like there were a lot of reasons if you're a Flyers fan, Flyers fan, uh, to raise your eyebrows and say, "Wow, this is something interesting we have here now on the back end. We haven't had this uh, for quite some time." Your thoughts on? Drysdale's debut and John Tortorella's comments after, you know, it's interesting. I had someone tweet at me. Uh, he's going to change his name from Jamie Drysdale to Jamie Roverdale. That's how we should refer to him now. Anyway, your thoughts on Drysdale last night? Well, you know, the thing is, who benefited most from that kind of hockey under John Tortorella? Hello. Benefited the, from, free, from freewheeling hockey? From freewheeling yeah. hockey? Think about defensemen who Last benefited night? playing that. No, in general. In their careers. In their careers. I, I hate to see someone drowning. I'm hockey. throwing you a life preserver. No, hang on a Zach. second. Hang on a second. Uh, Dan Boyle. No, well, Dan Boyle's not a bad guess, actually. It's not the one I was asking for, but I will give you points for originality. Okay. I was thinking Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones. <laughs> like, oh, Columbus, yeah, sure. Because yeah. you know what? Like, for example, like I remember seeing, uh, I, rem- I remember seeing them at the All-Star game. I can't remember if it was both of them or one of them. It was the All-Star game. I want to say it was the one in Tampa. And they were talking about what they were allowed to do under Tortorella. And Seth Jones said, like, there was one time I looked up and me and Wierenski are at the opposing goal line going to trying to score. <laughs> and there's two defensemen at the blue line. I'm like, this, this can't be good. And he said that Tortorella told them, no, no, no. That's the way it's supposed to be. 
Like, I don't have a yeah. problem with that because that's what you guys can do. And so when I was listening to Tortorella after that game, um, you know, I was thinking about those two guys. I, I Like, it's clear that John Tortorella, because remember when, when the trade got announced and they asked Tortorella about it, he said, we're going to get him here, we're going to put him on the power play, and then we're going to worry about the D, right? And, and yeah. that yeah. it seems counterintuitive that Tortorella would say that. But, but then watching it last night and then watching what he said in the post game, those were the two guys I thought of. Yeah. Like, Tortorella's a guy who can make this work. He can, he can coach players like that. And so, you know, the good thing for Drysdale is, I, you know, as you said yesterday, I heard he was in shock. He was really surprised. Um, there's a coach yeah. here uh, that is saying, we're going to make this adaptation for him, this adjustment for him as easy as possible. Now, I'm sure there will be a game somewhere this year where Drysdale does something wrong and he gets the full Tortorella. But what I see right now is a coach who said, I've had players like this before. They can play under me. Like Jones and Morensky were very successful and got and were hugely rewarded, deservedly so, for what they learned under Tortorella. Like if I was Drysdale, I would be very happy and I would be embracing this. You know, it's interesting. I'll tell you what, the reason that I mentioned Dan Boyle is, and I don't know, maybe it's because Tortorella had just read the, it's, well, you know, and and it, it, listen, it kind of fits. Um, But the reason I bring it up is John Tortorella has gone through many phases of his career, as we've all seen. And there was one very specific phase that he went through when he coached Tampa. Do you remember? This this would have right around the time that the Jim Collins Safe as Death book came out. Or no, sorry, Good is the Enemy of Great. And Tortorella went went through all of his, like, you know, safe as death, safe as death. And it seemed as if, because he still played a very structured, coached a very structured game, it was everybody else is playing structure, but Dan Boyle, you go out there and freestyle. And you remember mm-hmm. how Boyle could skate and how he would sift through guys. And that was why when you, when you mentioned, like, who really benefit, that's why I went to Dan Boyle right away. And I hadn't heard, you know, uh, Tortorella talk in terms of safe as death and just go out there and refer to him as a rover yesterday. I hadn't heard that Tortorella since the Tampa days, Elliot. Well, look, Jeff, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to try to explain your lack of intelligence to your listeners. Like, you know, we already know how not smart you <laughs> well, are. I don't, I, I don't have to try to explain how I can't unlock what's in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, I want, but I give you credit. Like, Dan Boyle was a good guess. It wasn't the guess I was looking for, uh, but it's a good guess. I have to say this too, Jeff. When you started talking about the post game, sure. that's not the clip I, I thought you were going to be asking me about. What did you make of that other the uh, the blast about Kevin Hayes? Well, look, like um, you know, I, I didn't even like sharing that story yesterday because look, like I know what it's like to be a reporter and you get something wrong. Like yesterday was kind of a wild day in general, but you get something wrong and everyone's all over you, right? And like yep. you know that happens, and you know I as always say to people, it's it's life in the big city. If you're going to be out there, there's going to be times where, especially in the job that we try to do, there's going to be times where you get something wrong and you're going to get it. So you better, if you dish it out, you have to be prepared to take it. But, and I realize a lot of people find that very entertaining and I know what Tortorella was trying to do, but I I don't like sharing that stuff because um, it's, uh, it's, I, 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 because I've been on, I've been there. I know what that's like. And, Sometimes I really do think, and this is just a personal opinion, but 
Sometimes I really do think that there are reporters out there who really love burying other reporters. And I, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, look, we're not all going to get along. Uh, we're not all going to see eye to eye on a lot of things, but um, I, I'm not crazy about that whole thing. You know, I, I always look at it and say like, listen, I, you know the position a lot better than I do, but it's it's tough, and you do put yourself out there, and at times you're on a tightrope, and you can only walk on that for so long until something happens. But I'm always reminded of the great saying, dogs don't bark at parked cars. Like, it's only when you're doing something, and you're getting yeah. something done, and you're moving, that people bark at you. The best way to avoid that is not to do anything, and I don't think that that's good advice at all. Um, a couple it's, of things it's also here. a reminder, you gotta, you got to check what you're told, right? Like, you might think something is right, Absolutely. it might make sense for it to be right, um, but, uh, uh, you, you, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's all right. Like, this... Like, for example, I'll give you an example of this Cutter Goche story. I think I'm pretty confident about that that meeting changed everything. Chuck Fletcher's gone. Uh, Goche thinks he's got a path. The Flyers think they're doing the right thing. Um, and I think it, it all changed there. Whatever happened, it changed there. But I, I can't say 100% because no one's telling me exactly that. You always have to be careful. What's the old journalist saying, Elliot? Uh, when your mother says she loves you, get confirmation. <laughs> Especially in my case, yes. There's a lot of that in my life, I have to tell you. Okay, uh, a couple of things outside of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Anaheim Ducks here. Um, interesting note last night that you put out about Corey Perry meeting with the NHL. Um, I don't think, and it doesn't sound like he needed to, but as a matter of eh, you know informal protocol, probably the smart thing to do. Uh, Corey Perry eligible to return to the NHL. Yeah, so you know, you know, you speak about things that you have to be careful with. There were a few people who took uh, issue with my use of the word "eligible to return." Um, you know, I, I, he, as you said, he was never ineligible. Uh, and when I did the rewrite, I made sure to include this. Look, teams were not going to sign him if they thought the league was going to have a problem. And um, um, and he had a meeting with the commissioner that he asked for. And uh, I heard it was just to go over what exactly everybody knew. And, you know, uh, and just basically what, because, um, you know, we still don't have full clarity on what exactly happened here. Um, but um, just to go over what everybody knew, Perry had said in his statement that he was going to go for some help. Um, I'm sure he went over that. But when the meeting was over, uh, the, you know, the, the all clear was given in the sense that the NHL wasn't going to stand uh, in the way. And uh, that's where it stands right now. I've, I've heard there is interest. I don't have specifics at this point in time, but I've heard there is interest. And, you know, we'll see where this goes. Uh, over the next few days. But I've, I've heard there's definitely uh, interest in Perry, and I'm sure he'll have to talk to some, I'm sure there'll be more conversations with some of these teams, um, and they'll see, we'll see where this goes over the next few weeks. 
Okay. We'll, uh, we'll stay tuned to that story. Um, I was mentioning off the top of the show, you know, it's right around this time where we really start to talk about trades and the trade deadline. Uh, yep. There's the all-star break that's on the horizon, and that's the next tent pole. After that, it's all eyes on trade deadline. And I look at a team like the Minnesota Wild, who has a really tough loss last night, again, uh, to the Dallas Stars. Um, you feel bad for, for Jesper Wallstad with his first NHL game, and he gets lit up for seven. He uh, had a great perspective on it after the game, too. It wasn't as if he was yeah. crushed. Um, 7-2 is the final score. Minnesota traveling the wrong way. I know they've been ravaged by injury. Injuries. That story is well told. Um, but I, I, I wonder what happens here with the Minnesota Wild as we start to move teams into two different columns, buyers and sellers. Well, I, I just, I, I still think the Wild, like, I was tough to watch that for Wallstead last night, and there's going to be plenty of better nights for him. Uh, we always don't yeah. get the dream, uh, the dream introduction or welcome to the National Hockey League. It, it happens. Um, but I just think with the Wild, um, to me, they're still building into what they want to be, right? Like maybe, like I, I, like I don't see them, you know, giving up on any of their young players. I don't see them looking to take a step back. Um, you know, they still are, even though the, the 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 new coach bounce has slowed for them. It's not like they're out of the race, so. Um, I expect them to try to stay in the race looking forward and back. They have a unique situation yeah. uh, because of their cap uh, and the two and the dead money that they've got there. I mean, if anything, maybe they um, sell off some of their vets or like maybe we don't have a contract, but I like, I don't expect them to make, like I look at their top players or their key core players and especially the ones coming and I don't really see them making huge changes, Jeff. I guess the only thing that could happen if they're out of the race, you know, would Flurry want to go anywhere? But at this point in time, I don't have that's any reason the to believe that's the case. That, that That's the one that I can't help wonder about, too. Like, I know how well he's thought of there, et cetera, et cetera, and how, you know, there's been, you know, rumors around Flurry for, for a while. That That is the one that I really, really wonder about here, Fried. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, end up on one, uh, on one note. There's uh, 13 games tonight around the NHL. Normally when you say something like that, you'd think, okay, well, uh, you know, clearly uh, Merrick's going to ask Friedman about uh, a game like uh, Pittsburgh and Vancouver, uh, which looks like it could be a really uh, good one, or uh, the Devils and the Tampa Bay Lightning, or you know, Los Angeles facing off against the Florida Panthers, or maybe the Maple Leafs and the Islanders, John Tavares back, at, uh, you know, back, in, back in, uh, on Long Island. But I want to ask you about Ottawa and Buffalo, two teams that are out of it, two teams that had big, ex- big expectations coming in, uh, I know that you've talked about the core of the Ottawa Senators, and you know uh, they've been identified, and they're the ones that they're uh, going to they're going to build around. Uh, we've heard the same about the Buffalo Sabers. What are the questions that you have going into this one about both teams? As again, trade deadline will become more and more of a conversation as the days and weeks go on. You know, I I, I have a the thing I wonder about them is 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 how married they are to their young players. Do they ever get to a point where they mm-hmm. say this isn't this our core isn't going to work? Like you know, with Buffalo, this is Ottawa or Buffalo? Well, both. I'll start with with, with Buffalo. Both. Um, okay. You know, with like okay. Buffalo, I was talking to somebody last night, and they're like, "Well, you know, 
Powers a bit of a rover. He gets beat wide. Um, and, and maybe they should think about moving him. And I'm like, I would, uh, like, that would terrify me. I would not do that at all. Like, you know, one of the things that's going on with Zegers right now, and I think everybody understands how Verbeek thinks and the way he plays, and Zegers is time a kind of guy. And a lot of people think that marriage is going to end up in divorce. But I always look at it and say, don't bet on talent. Like, I know I really like your Sam Pollock saying, like the thing about Buffalo and yeah. Ottawa is, is to me is like they're in that danger zone where, you know, you're you're even though there's new ownership in Ottawa, you've missed the playoffs for a long time. You're beginning to wonder will these guys ever figure it out? It's like Groundhog Day. You're losing games the same way. Like Calgary the other night, you could tell they're losing three two to Ottawa going into the third period. But they think we're going to win this game. We stick to what we do and we're going to be just fine. And they did. They yeah. scored four times. And it's tough to watch that. I, I always worry about teams that make trades when it's like this because I just think the young players, um, uh, you have to bet on talent. And you better know what you're doing when you're thinking of, uh, you, you better know what you're doing when you're thinking of moving these guys. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, tonight's an interesting one. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of people gawking, <laughs> not watching, but gawking uh, at this Ottawa Senators Buffalo Sabres game. Yeah, tonight. for all the uh, wrong on that reasons. wrap. Uh, ex- exactly, Elliot. This like you know what the the last. I'm trying to think of the last time we saw people gawking at a game this year. It was that Edmonton San Jose game. Remember that? Everyone's like, we have to watch that this just yeah, to see yeah, if Edmonton yeah. can lose to San Jose. Like that was that was people gawking at a game as opposed to watching a hockey game. Anyhow, we'll uh, we'll wrap on that. Uh, okay, we'll uh, we'll talk to you later on when we record the next thirty two thoughts pod. You be good. All right, buddy. Take care.